Hello and welcome to Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcasts. On this podcast, you will hear the latest sermons taken from our weekly worship service. Our hope is that you will find joy and comfort in knowing the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. In Scripture, the image of fruit is often used to describe the production of or results of people's lives in accordance with the choices that they make on life's path. The fact is, we all produce fruit in our lives in some way, shape, or form. And scripture points out that by our fruit, we will be known. Meaning our actions are a direct result of our faith in whatever it may be that leads us on the path through life. We all want our fruit to be good, worthy fruit as Christians. And the answer is not in the fruit itself. It's not in your actions. It's not necessarily in your life path. These are byproducts of where you're planted, the roots where you find your source of life and meaning. The fruit you produce flows naturally from your roots in whatever you may be rooted. Good fruit comes only from a healthy plant. Bad fruit from one that is unhealthy. St. Paul describes the good and the bad fruit that one can expect if you are rooted in Christ. In his letter to the Galatians we just read, his first list, the fruit of people who are rooted and guided by the world's values, producing fruit unpleasing to God. Some Christians in Galatia had this problem. They were producing rotten fruit. Their lives produced fruit contrary to what God wants. And at the end of his list, Paul concludes with a catchphrase. He says, and things like these. In other words, the list is unending. Um, He's thinking of you and me. Just in case any of those don't directly apply to you, He wants you not to be worried. You're still included in the list of bad fruit. Maybe you haven't participated in orgies, but you have indulged in dissensions and divisions. Maybe you haven't practiced sorcery, as is in his list, but you have fueled strife and envy, I imagine. These fruits of the flesh are examples of the bad fruit resulting from a bad path that we have chosen at times in life. And so Paul adds this warning in there as well. I warn you, those who practice and approve of such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it's not a checklist in saying, oh, one time I did that, or one time. It's those who dwell, who practice, who cultivate, who encourage. That's their lifestyle. That's what Paul is getting at. These will fall under God's judgment. Why? It's simple for Paul and should be simple for us. Because you can't claim to be walking faithfully on God's path and yet be rooted in worldly lifestyles or values that cultivate and produce fruit that is directly condemned by God. Judgment will come. John the Baptist says as much when he says, the axe is laid at the root of the tree, and that tree 
which has produced bad fruit will be cut down and cast into the fire. That's why Jesus condemned the fig tree when walking along with his disciples in the Gospel of Mark. He sees a beautiful fig tree, and according to the leaves that are on the tree, you should find fruit there. But as he reaches in, there is no fruit. So he curses it. And that's why farmers do with dead branches and trees that don't produce good fruit. Burn them up. Cut them off. This worthless, rotten fruit is what Psalm 1, which we read today, describes as the fruit of the wicked, and it's called chaff. Today we look at Psalm 1, and it introduces the whole book of Psalms, the whole Psalter. It sounds a warning to you and me, but it also bestows a blessing on those who heed the warning and listen to its teaching. With truncated terseness, Psalm 1 pronounces judgment on evil and declares happy and blessed he who follows the advice given here and by Paul and in other places in the New Testament and Old Testament. Other passages in the New and Old Testament use other terms those for those to describe those who are evil and those who are blessed. These terms are normally we find are sinners and saints or sinners and righteous. But Psalm 1 uses language common to people in an agrarian culture to give us counsel in ways bearing fruit in faithfulness to the Lord. So we don't use a lot of agricultural terminology in our conversations. So here is a common proverb we might use today to better understand what Psalm 1 is saying in its overall message. The proverb is, Don't take any wooden nickels. And I was told to make sure and read the fine print. Psalm 1 basically says, don't take any wooden nickels. Look out for the fine print. Don't listen to promises or advice or counsel from wicked people. Who are these wicked people? In Psalm 1, the word that's used for wicked people is used elsewhere in other psalms. And basically, it is those who are proud, practical atheists, those who hate God's command, those who commit sinful deeds, speak lies, and slander. That's not too far from Paul's list in the New Testament. And they cheat others as well. These are the wicked. Same word used throughout the Old Testament. The counsel of these wicked people will lure you to strive for fame and fortune that will satisfy your life forever. Job security, luxury, pleasures, or relaxing, carefree life at any or all moral costs. All of this today we call wooden nickels. Psalm 1 calls it chaff. In pre-industrial farming, winnowing the harvest separated the worthless chaff from the fruitful grain by tossing it in the air with a winnowing fork after it was sickled. And as in the day of judgment, the chaff blows away or is burned, is gathered up. It's worthless. It's discarded. There's no use for it. There's no nutritional value in chaff. But it separates the fruit that is useful, that is nutritious, whereby you can grow The psalm cautions us in winnowing as well. 
know the wooden nickel from the true metal nickel. Don't be seduced into following evil counsel in life. The psalm warns you not to listen to the advice of the wicked and describes that as standing in the pathway of sinners. Sinners, those who could care less about God, those who do not follow his counsel. Know these wooden nickels. Be careful who is giving you counsel. And so you must ask yourself, perhaps daily, who today encourages you to adopt and live the wooden nickel lifestyle of worthless chaff? Politicians' pious promises that end up favoring them most of all? Convoluted commercials with seductive subscription offers to make you pain-free through life as you keep paying a monthly fee? Or litigating lawyers offering lawsuit services that make them rich while they suck you dry? Or that timeshare sales shark tempting you with an open-ended, no-money-down contract to luxury at a small, annual, nominal fee? Gives you what you want in this life. Or perhaps it's a woke agenda or CRT that cause more divisions and dissent than they do equity and unity. Perhaps it's a new school curriculum that burdens even kindergartens with doubt about their God-given gender. Don't take any wooden nickels. Read the fine print. Jeremiah echoes the warnings of our psalm when he says in chapter 17, the Lord says, I will put a curse on people who trust in mere human beings, who depend on mere flesh and blood for their strength, and whose hearts have turned away from the Lord. The result, he says, they will be like a shrub in the rift valley, an area so arid that it is inhospitable, where there is no life. In Hebrew, it's called the Arabah. They will not experience good things even if they happen. It will be as though they were growing in a stony wastes in the wilderness, in a salt land where no one can live, Jeremiah says. That wilderness mentioned by Jeremiah is real. That's where he gets his image. It supports no trees. It has no plant life. Only receives 12 inches of rain a year, so no fruit can grow. Don't quite know if Jeremiah has been in California, but it appears he may have been. Again, don't take any wooden nickels. People who follow the counsel of evildoers are not able to distinguish the wooden nickel from the real thing, the good from the bad. With no moral guidance or compass, they hope for the best and have great expectations based on the counsel of people they know friends that they have who may not follow the Lord. They look forward to a leisurely life, want the gain with little effort, and want to be successful in the world by the world's standards. Glad I'm not one of them. Or am I? Don't we follow worldly counsel at times? Maybe we at times have taken wooden nickels from family and friends like Adam and Eve, you and I are attracted by desires of success. We want to be well-known, well-liked, 
wealthy. But at all times, in times of mental frailty, personal despair, emotional anxiousness, you might even heed the counsel of others to try a path that is self-gratifying and self-satisfying and leaving the Lord out of the picture, maybe temporarily. Be careful. Don't take any wooden nickels. And I know you never think you would, might end up necessarily cultivating a lifestyle contrary to your faith, but even if this just one time you're tempted, stay away. Maybe just once I will see what the psychic has to say. Perhaps I'll call, call on Don Corleone to do my taxes. Uh, maybe he has an offer I can't refuse. Don't take any wooden nickels, not even in a pinch. The alcoholic who has cured himself does not take one sip of evil counsel. So what's the alternative? Things sound pretty bad. The psalm offers only one alternative. There is no third option. There is no middle road. Blessed is the man, it says, who does not follow the advice of the wicked. Instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord, on which he meditates day and night. By law, the psalmist does not mean the Ten Commandments, but rather God's overall guidance through prayer and worship, through recitations, through seeking out God in all things, the Torah. And when he says meditate, it's the same word for growl or roar. It's what a lion does over its prey. So it's pretty intense, and it's pretty intentional to meditate, to growl, to wrestle with, to devour the guidance of the Lord. This man, this blessed man, doesn't listen to the counsel of the world, doesn't take their advice. This man refuses to take the wooden nickel in counsel and knows the difference. He is firmly planted in God's guidance, and he does not follow God's counsel now and then, but daily, daily, in fact, day and night, as the psalm says. That's the alternative to wicked counsel. Is this your alternative to the counsel of this world? This alternative counsel is described in our psalm as a tree planted by water. Think about it. You do not water a tree once in its lifetime to produce fruit. It produces in its season when the time is right, perhaps after many months or many years of constant watering until it is mature and then gives fruit. And so it is with you and me. You cannot live by drinking five gallons of water here on Sunday morning, hoping it will last the whole week. You need water every day. Without water, you cannot live and will soon die. Here's the psalmist's point. God's word is not a recipe book that you open up only on Sunday morning in search of the right ingredient to solve a problem. You don't pray and worship God only when you feel depleted and thirsty. You, O oh Christian, need to drink from the well, which is Christ, daily, to live and produce fruit. 
As a tree does not produce fruit in the first hour or day or year it is planted, so you cannot expect to produce fruit on God's path with an occasional sip of water. In Galatians, Paul's second list of good fruit, that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, does not come from one watering of Scripture. The fruit is not produced by your own willpower. You can't develop this lifestyle merely by working hard at it. It is a result of being rooted in God's word, drinking daily from the well of living water, listening to and practicing God's guidance through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only this produces fruit that is pleasing to him, nourishing, in fact, to all humanity. Jesus says this in John 15, our gospel for today, I am the vine, and just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Christ is this tree planted by the river. Jesus is the way, the path, the truth, and the life. He is the Torah, God's living counsel made flesh. When in Psalm 1 it says, blessed is the man, it means one singular man and points to Christ. It doesn't use the generic human beings. He means Christ. Blessed is the man because he alone is the righteous one. He alone is the one who sought and completed God's purpose for salvation. Day and night, healing and teaching, obedient unto death for you and for me to put us on the right path. Our psalm continues, this man will cause success in everything he attempts, meaning no one is going to defeat him. And only rooted in him do you and I have new life with his spirit, to resist the values and counsel of this world, to recognize wooden nickels, and then to produce fruit in our lives agreeing with our faith. Our lifestyles are grounded in him. Having died to this world in baptism, you belong to Christ. You have his spirit. He lives in you. He is the stuff from which your new self is made and your character tested as you walk with him. Jesus Christ is no wooden nickel. He is the true nickel, the true metal, God's metal, against whom the metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, -T -T -E, of all wooden nickels are tested and come up as chaff. Only he has worth that has purchased your eternal life. Following his counsel daily, through his word and sacraments, worship and prayer, you will bear good fruit. Don't take any wooden nickels. Amen. To know more about Jesus and our ministry at Grace Lutheran Church, please find us at www.gracealoneonline.org. You'll find additional sermon podcasts and your favorite podcast channel every week at 
www.gracealoneonline.org forward slash sermons.